0: There was once a man who was learning how to pray. And so one day he asked God, God, a thousand years is a long time for us. But how about you? What is a thousand years to you? God thought about it and replied, Well, I suppose it's about a minute. Oh, very interesting, the man said. The next day the man was praying again and asked God a similar question. God, I was thinking, a million dollars is a lot of money for us. But what are, what is a million dollars to you? God thought about it and replied, "Well, I suppose it's about a penny." The next day the man was praying again and this time he thought that he had to finally figure out the whole God the, the whole this whole God and prayer thing out. So this time he was praying, he asked God, God, I'm wondering if you would like to bless me with a penny. And God said, sure, just give me a minute. You guys get it? Let's pray, or let's uh, let's stand up for the reading of God's Word. And we're going to be in Mark chapter 1, verse 35 and 39. God's Word says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, He got up, went out, and made his way to a deserted place. And there he was praying. And Simon and his companions searched for him. And when they found him, they said, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let's go on to the neighboring villages so that I may preach there too. This is why I have come. He went into all of Galilee preaching in the synagogues and driving out demons. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray that God will speak to us this morning this holy word. Heavenly Father, we ask, Lord, that you would speak to us this morning through your word, Lord, as we uh, discuss and talk about prayer, Lord, as we hear, Lord, that you, you want us to spend time with you in prayer, Lord, early in the morning, late at night, in our quiet place, Lord, that we would be encouraged this morning to spend that intimate time with you, Lord, because... Lord, we were made to have a relationship with you, Lord, and all our power, all our strength, anything that we do, Lord, should drive from you, Lord, your grace and your mercy to us, Lord. So, encourage us, speak to us this morning, and bless your word, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So, brothers and sisters, this is us when we pray. Because when we pray, we think we know what we need. Sometimes we come to God and we like, we know what we really want and need. Even when we don't need something, we but we really, really, really want something, we pray for it anyway, do we not? And because we think we know best about our lives, we feel like God must agree with us when we pray. And because we think this, we end up praying some pretty interesting prayers. Much like the man who was, who was learning how to pray. Think about it, what have we been praying for lately? Is it... Is it something that's tangible, something material, or something regarding health, or family, or work, or whatever? What have we been praying for? Do we need more stuff? And because we think this, we end up praying like, like, like the man who was learning how to pray. In fact, I love how that joke is set up. There was once a man who was learning how to pray, because that's exactly what he was doing. He was learning. He was learning that prayer was not just about trying to get what he wanted, but prayer was an encounter with a God who sees life and the world very different than we do. And because of this, prayer is not a divine candy store where we say just the right words and we get what we want. Instead, prayer really is an experience of having our perception change, whether it's how we view time and money, or how our attitude is towards death, sickness, and our enemies. Prayer can teach us things. And that's what happened to the man learning how to pray. He had this perception, he had his perception changed. And then on top of that, the man who was learning how to pray learned that you cannot trick God in your prayers. God is not a fool and not gullible. God cannot be manipulated. And there are no secret words. That if you say these words the right way, then you can make God do whatever you want. You cannot force God to do anything or answer any of your prayers. You have to let God be God. Amen? Amen. Otherwise, you're not praying to God, the creator of the universe, you're only praying to a God, the one who has who you have created in your own imagination which would be idolatry. But wait a second, you might say, what is the point of praying at all then if I'm not really going to get what I want? Then why do we pray? Why do we pray if we're not going to get what what we're asking for? The reason we pray is because at the core of who we are, we are made to be in relationship with God. And when we pray, we return to the very reason for our existence. Why are we here? Life without prayer is like a fish out of water. It is not what the fish was made for. What What happens to a fish if it's out of water for a long time? It dies. The fish was created to live and breathe and exist in the water. So... We were created to live and breathe and exist in a relationship with God. Amen? And prayer reminds us of this. It refocuses our lives and reinvigorates our faith because it brings us back to the very basic fundamental reason of why we are here. We are here to be in a loving, in a joyful, delightful, and abundant relationship with God. And that relationship is sustained by prayer. So if you're not feeling that love, that joy, that delight, and that relationship, that connection, that closeness with God, could it possibly be is that you're not praying enough? Or at all? And so as we follow Mark's narrative in this chapter, we're going to do a little quick review. We saw that the Lord calls first his first disciples in verses 16 through 20. And we've also watched him work preaching in the synagogue, verses 21 and 22. Casting out evil spirits in verse 23 to 28. And healing many that were sick, verse 29 and 34. We have been watching Jesus go about his father's business. As we have followed Jesus through these events, we have seen the preaching and the power of, of the servant, And today we're going to examine the priorities of Jesus. What are Jesus' priorities? And which was prayer and preaching. Prayer and preaching was Jesus' priorities. So these verses reveal the priorities that move the heart of the Savior. This brief glimpse into one early morning. quiet One early morning in this quiet time reveals what was most important to the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to look at these motivating factors because that what was important to Jesus should be important to us. Amen? Amen. So let's join Jesus in His quiet time and learn what stirred His soul as we see His passion revealed. Let's ask the Lord to create within our own hearts a love for the same things. So our first point. Jesus made a priority of prayer. And we read that in Mark 1.35. It says, The very early, or very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he got up, went out, and made his way to a deserted place. And there he was, praying. Praying. So remember, what the previous day was like for Jesus. What was the previous day like for Jesus? We've been hearing these sermons and I just kind of did a little quick synopsis or a little summary. Did Jesus not have a busy day before? Was it not a busy day? It was the Sabbath day and that day he had, de- and that day had demanded so much from Jesus. Do you guys have busy days? Yes. We do, right? And Jesus did too. After preaching in the synagogue, Jesus was confronted by a demon-possessed man. And Jesus casts out that evil spirit. He leaves the synagogue to go to Peter's house, presumably for lunch. I mean, Jesus had to eat. But when he arrives, Jesus finds Peter's mother-in-law, sick with a fever, and Jesus heals her. When sundown comes and the Sabbath is over, all the people in Capernaum bring their sick and those possessed with demons for Jesus to heal them. He does this, no doubt, meeting people and helping them in the way way into the night. So he was just serving all day and all night. It had been a wonderfully tiring day when God did amazing things. Jesus was busy doing the things that God had called him, Father, to come and do. But now watch carefully what Jesus does. A late night does not prevent Jesus from an early morning meeting with his Father. Do we not have a late night sometimes or we're up late at night, whether it's whatever the case may be doing. Maybe we're reading the Bible. Maybe we're just out having dinner or a movie or something, you know. But if we're up late at night or we're working, the next day Jesus gets up early and he spends time with his father. We are told that Jesus rose up a long while before daylight. Jesus headed out the door without anyone knowing it. It wasn't that he was unhappy with the accommodations at Peter's house and he wanted to check into the Marriott Capernaum or something. No, he knew of something even more important than sleep and that was communing with his father. That was important to him. That was a priority to him. Jesus removed himself from other distractions and relationships so that he could concentrate on his relationship with his father. Now, this is not the only time we find that the Lord Jesus involved in a time of prayer and communion with the Father. It's not the only time we read it. In fact, his ministry is marked by times of protracted prayer. The gospel pictures Jesus praying no more, no less than twenty five times, and I believe Jesus prayed way more than that through his life. Mark records Jesus praying at three different occasions, here in chapter six, and after feeding five thousand people, and before his arrest in the Garden of Gethsemane. In the first two instances, huge success in public ministry had just been accomplished. There were good days for Jesus in some sense. Both here and in chapter 6, Jesus prays and then sends himself and his disciples into a different location. Removing them from the immediate crowd and the popularity that was surrounding him. It may have been a constant temptation to Jesus to take the shortcut and fashion a popular movement. But Jesus was not about popularity or doing what others demanded of him. He was about one thing fulfilling the Father's mission of dying on the cross for our sins. That was on his mind from the very beginning. He was on a mission. Communion with the Father was one of the marks of the Messiah. The fact that Jesus prayed raises some interesting questions, doesn't it? Now, have you ever asked yourself, why did. What did Jesus pray about? What was Jesus praying about? Jesus went out to pray that morning after a day of powerful ministry. I am sure that he took time to thank the Father for his blessing. That's one of the things when we do when we come to prayer. We just thank the Father for his blessings. His presence and his power. I'm sure that he prayed for the people who he had had just been healed, who he healed. He must have prayed that they would see beyond the miracles and be saved. He must have prayed for his disciples that they would be men of God. He must have prayed for himself. He desired the Father's blessing and power. Surely Jesus went out that morning to seek the Father's will for his direction in his ministry. There must have been many items on his prayer that list that morning. It makes us want to, what do we pray about? We should be writing things down. We should be, Coming to God and putting Him before Him about whatever it is that's on our mind or that we have to do that day. But we, but Jesus prayed and we should pray as well. Another question, why did Jesus even need to pray? Why did Jesus need to pray? He was God in the flesh, after all. We need to remember that Jesus was God in human flesh, but He did not come to this world to live as God. He came to live as a spirit-filled man. Jesus prayed because he lived his life in total dependence of the Father. And Jesus prayed because he wanted a totally unhindered fellowship with the Father. Jesus wanted the Holy Spirit to be able to flow through his life in absolute freedom and power. Thus, Jesus made every effort to stay in close, constant communion with his Father. So if we want, if Jesus needed to pray, do we not need to pray ourselves? A third question, why did Jesus seek a place of solitude? Why did he seek a place of solitude? He wanted his prayer time to be uninterrupted and unhindered. Jesus knew that his prayer time was precious and private, and he wanted nothing to be able to come between him and the time spent in his Father's presence. So I think it's important for us to find a place of solitude to pray to be before the Lord. Amen? Our Lord early morning, our, our Lord's early morning prayer meeting had some valuable lessons to teach us if we will hear them today. So the first lesson from the section from this section is simple yet vital. Get up. Get out. And get praying for strategic direction in your life from your Father. Amen? We got to get up, we got to get out, and we got to get praying. So sometimes I just don't feel like praying. I mean, Saturday morning we have prayer here at 5 a.m. with well, the women. Honestly, I give them commendation because who wants to get up at 5 in the morning to come and pray? On a Saturday. Not many people, but they do it. And I'm sure God blesses the time that they're here. And I'm sure they leave the rest of the day and they're blessed and they're connected to God. So get up, get out, and get praying. And I think we got to find more time to pray us. And not only, not only as a corporate, as a church, but individually, when you're at your house, find some quiet place, find a quiet spot to, to, to get along with God. If Jesus, who is God in human flesh, felt the need for prayer in His life, how much more do we need to make prayer a priority in our own lives? I'll be the first to say, I need more prayer. I need to spend more time in prayer. Do you? Yes. Amen. Prayer is essential for a holy, empowered spiritual life. A preacher by the name of E. Stanley Jones says that prayer is a time of exposure to God. Exposure to God. Sadly, most Christians in our day are underexposed. In fact, I know of no one who is overexposed. Do you know anybody who's super overexposed? If we want a life that can be used for God and His glory, then we must pray. If we want the power of God in our lives, then we must pray. Pray. If we want to live holy lives, then we must pray. Prayer is the absolute, non-negotiable requirement for a life of power in the things of God. Do you, you want God to use you? How much time are you spending in prayer? If you're not spending any time or very little time, let's be encouraged to spend more time. Again, prayer is not I have to, but I get to. You have that privilege to spend time with God. So the Bible has a lot to say about prayer. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians 5.17. He has known my memory, right? <laughs> it says... Pray continually or always be praying. Let's go to Luke 18. Luke 18. Luke 18 verse 1. Now he had Now he told them a parable on the need for them to pray. Always and not give up. Pray what? Always Always and not give up. So we should constantly be praying and just speaking with God, having a conversation with God. Romans 12, 12. Let's go to Romans 12, 12. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be persistent in prayer. How should our praying be? Persistent. persistent. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. 6 verse 18 says pray at all times by the Spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints pray when? all times so prayer is important, the last one, Colossians chapter 4 verse 2 We, read, we, we went through the book of Colossians, chapter 4, verse 2 says, Amen. Devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert. In it with thanksgiving. How are we to be in prayer? Devoted, right? So that's a lot of scripture about prayer. So prayer is important. It gives us... Great examples of prayer. We've seen great examples of prayer in Scripture with Abraham, with Moses, with Hannah, with Samuel, with Elijah, Elisha, Ezekiel, Jonah, Paul, and of course, Jesus. Jesus gives us instructions on how to pray. Let's go to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. And verse 1 through 4. And it says, He was praying in a certain place, and when He finished, one of His disciples said to Him, Lord, teach us, how, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. He said to them, Whenever you pray, say, Father, Your name be honored and holy. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves also forgive everyone in debt to us. And do not bring us into temptation. That was Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray. He even gives instruction as how not to pray. Let's go to Matthew 6 verse 5. How shall we not pray? Matthew 6 verse 5 through 8. And it says, "Whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, do not babble like the Gentiles, since they have, they imagine they they will be heard for their many words." Don't be like them because your Father knows the things you need before you ask Him. So do we need to pray because God doesn't know what we already have to tell Him? No, we pray because we spend time with God. In His presence, we have a conversation with Him. And it should be a sweet time to spend time with our Father, Heavenly Father. And He gives us great promises of answer prayer. Let's go to Matthew 7, 7. Matthew 7, 7, just one page. After 7.7 Seven, seven says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and for the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks, the door will be open. Who among you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? Therefore, Whatever you ask, whatever you want others to do for you, you must also do the same for them. For this, the, for this is the law and the prophets. But God wants to answer our prayers and God wants the best for us, does He not? So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's be, spend that time with Him in our quiet time. Let's go to John chapter 15 verse 7. John 15, verse 7. It says, If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want, and it will be done to you. So there is, The sense that we come to God in prayer and God does want to answer our prayers. But we got to not be like in the beginning just wanting things out of God, but we got to want to spend time with God and want to do His will, not our will. So prayer is not about getting, so again, listen to this. This is a very important statement. Prayer is not about getting our will done in heaven, but about getting God's will done on earth. Prayer is about getting God's God's will done on earth and not about our will being done in heaven. When Jesus went out to pray, he probably prayed about the direction of his ministry. Surely he was asking the Father what he should do and where he should go next. Prayer must become a priority in our lives if we want to walk with Jesus. Do you want the power of God in your life? Do you want close fellowship with the Lord? Do you desire to be used to the fullest of your potential? If so, then you must make prayer a priority. We must make prayer a priority in our lives. Now how? How do we do that? Set a time. Set a time. Set aside a a time to pray and and stick to it. Set a time in your your scheduling. When are you going to pray? It's worth noting that the setting of all three accounts of Mark's gospel of Jesus praying, all of them, without exception, were during the night or early in the morning while it was still dark. Do you think there's a reason for that? I mean, Jesus was being persecuted by the crowd and popularity and... He would try to, early in the morning or late at night, try to find time to be with the Lord, with His Father. Jesus found a time to be alone with His Father. We also need to have a time of prayer just like the Lord Jesus. A time when we can get alone for unhindered prayer and for preparation for the service that God has called us to. The time was very early in the morning, Mark says, and that means that it cost the Lord Jesus some sleep in order to pray in this way. Are we willing to sacrifice a little sleep? I mean, it's hard for me. I'm sure it's probably hard for you as well. I want to sleep in in the morning. My alarm, my snooze, I keep the snooze button. Keep pressing that. Five more minutes, five more minutes, you know? And then once you know it, it's half an hour has gone by. The flesh, right? When Jesus said the flesh is weak, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Prayer is not a matter of personal convenience. Hmm. Prayer is not a matter of personal convenience. Prayer is not something that we just fit in the spare time that we can get after we do everything else that seems to be practically at least more important. But prayer entails self-sacrifice. It means that we're going to have to discipline our lives during the day to make time to pray. Hello. I know it's hard, but we got to do it. It should, it should be a delight. It should be something we want to do, not something we are, you know, twisting our ears to go and do. Find a place. We got to find, set a time. Now we got to find a place. Jesus went to a solitary place, a desert, a desert place. It's important to get alone with God. Alone time. You and God alone. It's not enough to meet together as a church, though that is necessary. It's not even enough to meet with your family. You need to have time with God alone. It helps to have a solitary place. Start thinking, where can I be with God alone? Where's a good spot to be with Him by myself? Maybe in your car. By yourself in your car early in the morning before work. Maybe in your backyard. Maybe in one of your spare rooms. That's why the Lord Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount that we ought to go to the closet. Into a closet. There pray to our Heavenly Father in secret. Find you a place where there are no distractions. Do we not live in a world full of distractions? Get away from the phone. Right here. This is a big distractor. Even for me and for all of us, I'm sure. Get away from the phone, the TV, the computer, and any other distractions and pour your heart out to the Lord. Prayer was a habit in our Lord's life and it must become a habit in our lives if we would have His power. We are the channel, the conductor of God's power. When we allow His power to course through us, then His voice, then the voice of the King will be heard throughout the world, and God will use us. I want that power, but if I would have that power, then I must pray, and I must pray often from a clean heart with pure motives. When we learn to pray like Jesus, God will bless our lives as He did His. Nothing should ever be allowed to crowd out our private time with God. Nothing, neither time, tiredness, tardiness, treasures, nor tasks are more important than our time with Him. Amen? Amen. Amen. There is a rhyme that I read and here that reminds me of this priority. And it says like this, I woke up early one morning and rushed right into the day. Sounds like some of our days. I had so much to accomplish that I didn't have time to pray. Problems just tumbled around me and heavier came each task. I wondered, why doesn't God help me? He answered, you didn't ask. I wanted to see joy and beauty, but the day toiled and gray and bleak. I wonder why God didn't show me. He said, but you didn't seek. I tried to come into God's presence. I used all my keys at the log. God gently and lovingly reminded, my child, you did not knock. I woke up early this morning and paused before entering the day. Paused before entering the day. I had so much to accomplish that I had to take time to pray. And that should be our attitude, our, our, that we have so much going on today, but let's take some time to pray and go before the Lord. So that's enough about prayer. Hope you guys are um, just motivated and encouraged to pray more. Point two Jesus made a priority of preaching. Preaching. As Jesus is praying, he is interrupted by Peter. Look at that. He's praying to the Lord, his Father, and here comes Peter, Andrew, James, and John to interrupt. They come and tell him that the people of Copernicus are looking for him. Just the night before, the people of the city had crowded around the door looking for help and for healing. Now, at the dawn of this new day, they had returned. The people are coming back. They want Jesus. And this excites the disciples. They are sure that Jesus is on the verge of superstardom. He's going to be a star, the disciples. They are certain that Jesus will be declaring himself to be the Messiah and that he will begin gathering an army to deliver the nation of Israel From the domination of Rome. Because they wanted a warrior king. Think about it. The people at that time wanted a Messiah to be warrior king. They were not looking for a suffering servant. As Jesus came as a suffering servant. They come to Jesus to encourage him. To capitalize on this enormous popularity. And I'm sure they want him to come back to the town. To do more more miracles. So that the people will cling to him even more. They they want him to, to be that miraculous. Popular Messiah. Jesus, however, refuses to allow the disciples to, uh, to, uh, or the people of Capernaum to, to dictate the direction of his ministry. And sometimes you have people pulling you one way, pulling you another way, pulling you, pulling you, pulling you. But if you're, if you're in prayer, you will know what God really wants you to do. And he has been in communion with his Father, and he knows what the Father wants him to do. He's connected. And Jesus reminds his disciples, read verse 39. That the message is more important than the miracles. Verse 39 of Mark. Let's read it. And he went into all of Galilee, preaching in their synagogue and driving out demons. So Jesus sees that the message is more important than the miracles. Because he does not go back to do miracles Jesus tells them that he is going to the towns where he has not yet preached so that he can share the gospel with them too. It says, let's go on to the neighboring villages in verse 38 so that I may preach there too. This is why I have come. Jesus tells them that he's going to the towns where he has not yet preached so that he can share the gospel with them too. As they were in that day, miracles are still big business, it seems that any ministry that focuses on the fabulous will gather a huge following. While ministries that major on the message of the Bible will might not do so well. I mean, I'm telling you, today, if, if right here, right now, I was saying I'm going to heal, and I'm going to you know, remove any sickness, any pain or and, and you know, and you would have lines around the corner right here. We wouldn't fit here. And I mean, look at people like Benny Hinn. How big of a following he has, how much people give to his ministry. And I would say he's a fake, he's a fraud. Yet, people are following by the thousands. And he's a popular guy on TVN and Crusades. And, I mean, you know, it gathers the crowd. That brings people. As it were that day, miracles are still big business. It seems that any ministry, again, that focuses on that will gather a huge following. Why is it that, that people do that, though? Why is it? Because. People love their miracles. They love to hear about the sick being healed, the dead being raised, and stories of needs being met in miraculous ways. They love the miracles. They don't seem to have time, though, to hear the message. It happened during the time of Jesus, and it even happens today. Most people are shallow, self-centered, and focused on the sensational. Modern people are really not that much different from the ancient people of Jesus there can be no doubt that Jesus had a ministry marked by the miraculous he healed every known sickness he raised the dead he fed multitudes walked on water he even rose from the dead after he was buried and he can still heal today so I'm not saying that healing isn't happening healing can still happen today if he chooses to I have seen him do it time and time again God can heal us whether it's something small or something big because our God is powerful and almighty to do things like that. Amen? Amen. While, Jesus, while Jesus can and did and does heal physical infirmities, if you are sick, go to Him in prayer. We will pray for you. He specializes in healing the afflictions of the soul. While we praise the Lord for, healing, for every healing that He has performed, healing of the body is temporary. This is what I preached on last week. Healing of the body is temporary at best. But when He heals a soul... It is for eternity, amen? The diseases of the soul can kill just surely as diseases of the flesh. Soul sickness like hatred, anger, bitterness, unforgiveness, gossip, discouragement, depression, lust, pride, guilt, jealousy, fear, etc. Can steal your joy, silence your witness, and cripple your heart. Jesus can touch you in whatever ails at your soul, and He can give you absolute healing today. And it is this message of Jesus that brings the healing. The greatest need, listen, the greatest need of the soul is to be cured of the sickness of sin. That's man's greatest problem, is that they're sinful men, that they're sick, that they're dead in their sins and their transgressions. If you're listening to this and you're not a believer, you're dead in your sins, you've broken God's commandments. You're not right with God. And that is why Jesus placed so much emphasis on the preaching of the gospel. He came to preach because he wanted people to know that there was hope for them. If they would come to him and receive the gospel. The message of the gospel is very simple. Here it is. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John three sixteen. Amen? Amen? God gave his son. His son died on the cross. His son rose from the dead. Now God offers salvation to whosoever will. If you need healing from the sickness, if you need healing for the sickness of sin, Jesus is the antidote. Come to him and be saved. Amen? Amen. If you have allowed sin in your life as a believer and you now know and you know that you are out of the Lord's will today, you need to know that there is hope for you as well. He will heal the affliction of your soul if you come to him in confession and repentance. Amen? Amen? So I want to end with Jesus was consumed with a passion to do the will of His Father. That's what Jesus was consumed with. He was consumed with a passion to deliver people from the things that had them bound, like sin. Jesus was consumed with a passion for the people He met in His life, and for the people He never met physically. Jesus was consumed with a passion for you. Jesus was consumed with a passion for His Father's will. Has it ever dawned on you that Jesus Christ came to this world, lived as He did and died as He did because He was consumed with the passion for you? We sang that song, right, earlier? Do you understand that Jesus went to the cross because He loved you? Do you understand that, he, that the gospel message is a message for you? Here's God's invitation to you. If you have never been saved, I invite you to come to Jesus. He loves you and He will save you and He will deliver you from whatever it is that binds you today. For the unbeliever. If you're a believer and if you are saved but you are not where you need to be with the Lord. You need to come home. He will forgive you and He will restore you today. And if your prayer life needs work. As today's message was mainly focused on prayer. There is no better place to begin than with the time of prayer. Asking God to help you Today. If you have any need in your life at all, Jesus has a passion for you. And He can help you and He will bring your needs if you bring your needs to Him. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful, Lord, that we that you are our Father because, Lord, we have been bought with the price of the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross, Lord. And we are truly loved, Lord, as your sons and daughters, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, that today, Lord, as this message was shared, Lord, I pray that we would be encouraged, Lord, to spend time with you, Lord, daily, Lord, that we would long for that, Lord, that we would delight in that, Lord, that we would not see as a chore or obligation, but as something that we just want to do, Lord, because we want to spend time with you, Lord, and we want to be in your presence, Lord. So I just pray, Lord, that you know our needs, you know the things we're going through, you know our struggles, you know just our shortcomings, Lord, and I just pray, Lord, that you would um, today empower us, give us grace, give us mercy, Lord, and that we would be uh, just rejoicing for the message of the gospel, Lord, that we've heard this morning, Lord. We pray this in your son, Jesus, my name, amen.